We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's up friends happy friday welcome into the pack a day podcast welcome to the weekend i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl thanks so much for being here today before i jump in i just want to say thank you all the comments all the dms all everything that i've um, been super appreciative of the camp coverage and the the youtube videos and the podcasts and everything i've seen them i've noticed them it's gone a long way so thank you for all of that and more than anything just really appreciate you checking out the podcast 365 days a year so thanks so much for doing that if you're not all already, make sure to subscribe. Uh, But before we jump into today's main topic, which is going to be, of course, about day seven of Packers practice, which was an insanely hot Packers practice, but a really fun one that had some very competitive periods. I actually want to start by going over a uh, TV hit that Rob Domovsky did that I got a ton of questions on. And I'll start by like reading the quote that Rob had from that hit. And he basically said, quote, we've seen Jordan Love have one really good day. He's had one sort of decent day and the rest, well, you walk off the field or walk off the practice field thinking that this might be a really, really long year. I've had a lot of people reach out to me because I've mostly been positive, I think, about Jordan Love so far and what he's been able to accomplish. Um, He's been on my player of the day, I think at least two times, maybe, I think two times. And like I said, I've really enjoyed his process and how he's gone about things. So there seems to be some sort of disconnect there, right? I've been mostly positive about Jordan, say for the first day, which was a very rough first, uh, which was a rough first day. And, you know, then when you hear Rob say, man, you walk off the practice field thinking this could be a really, really long year. Well, what's the disconnect between the two? So a couple things. I'll, I want to very much be very clear in saying this. I have so much freaking respect for Rob Domofsky. He's awesome. Um, he's been nothing but great to me. So uh, no, no negative towards Rob here at all. And I want to follow that up by saying, I, I think this is very much in the eye of the beholder. And I listen, if, if Rob is, is in that belief, like, listen, he's covered this team far longer than I have. And I, I would say like that, I would, that's a very trustworthy voice, right? But I, what I want to go back to is I very much think that this is in the eye of the beholder a little bit because you can look at what Jordan and this offense has done so far, and you can be very pessimistic about what we've seen. I mean, five of the six days, he's been around 50% passing. 
He's had one really good day, which Rob mentioned, and the rest are, if we're being honest, kind of meh. And I think that's a fair way to kind of assess it so far if you're looking at the overall productivity. Where I kind of fall on this so far is I don't necessarily disagree with Rob on leaving the practice field at times, looking at the offense and saying, man, this could be a long year. However, I put that sort of more on the offense as a whole so far and not necessarily on Jordan. Now, what I will tell you that I struggle with a little bit is I don't know that I can necessarily point to anything with the number one offense and say, look at this is what's, this is what's broken. I like the wide receivers. I think Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samore Toure, Jaden Reed, and that group has come together pretty well, and I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to do this season. I think Luke Musgrave is going to add a different dimension to this offense. Is he a finished product yet? No, but I do think he's going to add a little juice to a tight end room that was desperately in need of a little bit of juice. I think Bakhtiari, when he's been out there, has been great. Jenkins has been really good at left guard. I think they're still figuring some things out with the rest of the line, but I don't think the offensive line has been bad in any way, shape, or form. And I think the running backs have been mostly solid in a training camp where you can't get much out of running backs until you actually get to preseason and regular season and actual tackling. But overall, there's not one thing that I can point to with the offense, Jordan Love included, and say, this is what the issue is, or this is what's broken, and this is what needs to get fixed. I do think a couple different things are at play here. First of all, as much as it may pain some people to hear, and as much as I don't put any stock into it until we start seeing things in the regular season, I do think the defense has done a pretty nice job so far, and I would tip my cap a little bit to the way that the defense has played. However you want to react to that is more than fine, but I do think they deserve some credit for how they've handled the offense so far but I would start there. The second thing I would say is this is the time of year where I don't care if you're in college, if you're in the pros, if you're in high school, that first week of training camp, the defense is almost always ahead of the offense. This isn't new. This happened even with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. The the offense just takes time to get into rhythm and just kind of figure out what they do well. And in the meantime, the defense takes advantage and you know it looks a little bit disjointed on the offense's end. If you hear from a lot of different training camps around the league right now, you will hear a very similar story that the defense is ahead of the offense. So I think that's partly at play here. And then I think from an offensive side of things, as we sort of expected going in, this is a first time starting quarterback with a starting rookie tight end. Tucker Craft has certainly been rotating in as another rookie tight end. It's not like Tyler Davis has 10,000 snaps under his belt. That's another inexperienced player. Josiah DeGuara, even before he you know, had the injury, not a ton of snaps under his belt either. And then you've got wide receivers in Christian Watson, who basically played a half of last year. Romeo Dobbs, who basically played a half of last year. Samore Toure, who barely played last year. And then all rookies. So this is an offense that's going to take a little bit of time to gel. Furthermore, I think what this offense is going to do well is basically pick on some mismatches and really be able to stack plays together that are going to be like, if you're running one play stretch, you know, zone left, and then you're bootlegging off of it, you know, to the right, like whatever, like this is a play that can stack plays on uh, an offense that can stack plays on top of each other and really make defenses think a lot. And that doesn't necessarily work quite as well when you're running two minute drills in offense or when you're running red zone periods in offense. It's not like a like a complete game plan that you're putting together 
And I do think this offense will also be better when you have a game plan and you're able to stack plays on top of each other and show the defense one thing and then come back with another in the third quarter. Like, I just don't think that that's what's happening right now. And Matt LaFleur's even mentioned that they're still in like the install phase of offense. So I have no real long-term concern at this point for the offense, but I do think some of those things that I just mentioned are at play. And going back to Jordan and sort of absolving him from a little bit of this is we've seen that really good day from Jordan, which was fantastic. He was, you know, spinning the ball all over the field, deep, intermediate, short, and just having a ton of confidence. The first day was a tough day, which I've talked about. Four completable deep balls down the field, which all four were incomplete. And that to me was mostly on Jordan, if not all on Jordan. Day two, he had the poor numbers and an interception. The interception was a diving play by Jair, tipped in the air, picked off by Devondre Campbell. Meanwhile, he had two really nice touchdown passes, including a absolute bullet tight window throw to Christian Watson for a touchdown. And overall, I liked his decision-making on that day. Then you had the walkthrough, came back on Saturday, had a dominant performance, which is the one that we've been talking about. And then this week, I wanted to see him stack success off of that Saturday practice where he was so great. I don't think we saw that, but we had one interceptable pass that we saw from Jordan, the one that he threw directly to Quay Walker. I would would argue that that is the one, and I mean the one real true bad throw, bad mistake, bad decision. I should say bad decision that Jordan has made so far. He had the four bad throws on the first day maybe three out of four, but certainly four that he probably could have completed. And and if he throws on that day, I would say he's had maybe two or three-ish poor throws in the, the rest of the, the practices where he had guys open and maybe just missed it here and there, but nothing egregious, like maybe a throw per day. But overall, the one poor decision through seven practices, six competitive so far, I'm very, very good with that. He had the one play Uh, where Razul kind of undercut it a little bit. Maybe you would have liked to have had that back, but wasn't egregious. The play that was actually intercepted, that was tight and contested, wasn't egregious. I didn't mind the read. I didn't hate the throw. It just was a great play by Jair. He's had a couple like that where he maybe tried to force a ball in a couple times in some red zone situations where he basically had to take a chance at things. And I know a lot of people are caught up on the numbers. There have been some spikes that are included in that incompletion percentage. There have been some throwaways that have been really good, smart decisions on throwaways. There have been a couple throws where he didn't have anything open and he put it in spots where maybe his guy would have a chance, but if not, then it was going to fall harmlessly incomplete that I liked his decision-making on those. There were plays that like to Jaden Reed that falling away, fading away, throw down the field in a two-minute drill that was a ridiculous pass that was dropped by Jaden Reed. There's a red zone play where he rifled a bullet right into Jaden Reed at the goal line that was dropped by Jaden Reed. Neither of those were easy catches by Jaden, but both I'm sure he would tell you he could have and should have had. There was some drops by Christian Watson earlier in camp today or on you know uh, yesterday's practice on practice number seven that we're talking about right now. Jordan threw an absolutely gorgeous deep post to Christian Watson, I don't know, 40 yards down the field. And it was definitely contested, I think, by Razul Douglas, if memory serves. But that's a play that I think Christian could have come down with. And it was a beautiful, perfect throw. And that's been sort of the issue at times is that 
some of the great plays that Jordan has made have just not ultimately been completed. And I think had they been caught and had his teammates maybe helped him out a little bit in those situations, I think that you would be talking about a much different camp so far for Jordan Love. And it goes the other way too. On that first day that Jordan had four players down the field, he had Samore, I think he had Jaden on one, he had uh, Watson on one, he had Musgrave on one. If he completes those, the offensive day looks a lot better on that particular practice as well, right? And I think that's just where this offense is at. And I think to Rob's point, get ready a little bit for that. And I've been talking about this since, you know, the Aaron Rodgers trade and since Jordan took over and since they drafted a bunch of rookies at wide receiver and tight end, there is a ton of youth on this offense. And with youth comes inexperience, inconsistency, and volatility. And I think there are going to be days like that Saturday practice for Jordan in this offense where you're like, oh my goodness, like this is, this looks great. This looks amazing. I think there's going to be days like that first day of practice for Jordan where you've got some incompletions that could have been there for Jordan and he just didn't make the throw sometimes. I think that's going to happen. I think there's going to be other days where Jordan's dealing and his receivers and tight ends just aren't helping him out. And you're going to have some drops and you're going to have some plays where the, the offensive line probably breaks down. That's just the type of offense that this is right now, especially week one into practice. And I'm definitely willing to give it a little bit more accident forgiveness on that first week of practice. So what I think is, is this is going to be an offense that has to help each other out, right? When Jordan makes a rifle pass over the middle or makes a ridiculous fading away play in a two-minute drill and Jaden Reed has opportunities to catch it, he needs to catch it. When Christian Watson is running a deep post and Love hits him in stride in a perfect spot, couldn't hand it to him any better. Yeah, it's contested, but you know what I want to see? I want to see Christian Watson make that play. And when Luke Musgrave is streaking down the field on day one of practice and has Corey Ballantyne beat, I want to see Jordan put that on him and not, you know, end up, you know, putting a little too much air under it and leaving it underthrown. I would also like to see Luke Musgrave come back to that football and just go make a play and say, screw it. I'm five inches taller than the guy covering me. I don't care if it's underthrown. I'm just going to go out and, you know, out, out jump and out muscle the guy anyway. So those are the things that this offense is working through. And yes, five of the six days were around 50% completion percentage and left you as an offense a little bit meh. But that's what Matt LaFleur is saying when he, and he said it multiple times. I think he said it in the interview with Tom Pelissero uh, from NFL Network on, uh, on Thursday as well, is that everyone wants to talk about what's Jordan doing for this offense? What, what, like, how does Jordan love look? What, what is, is Jordan good? Is he bad? What's he going to bring to the table? What are the expectations? And Matt's been great this entire time in saying, it's not just Jordan. It has to be everyone. The offense has to protect him. If the line's breaking down, that's going to make things brutal for Jordan. And so far it hasn't. I think the offensive line's been pretty good, but if they break down, it's going to be a rough season for Jordan. And if the receivers are dropping passes, not coming back to the ball, not getting open for him, it's going to be a tough season for Jordan. If they can't run the ball, it's going to be probably a tough season for Jordan. And on the flip side, if Jordan can't hit some of those open plays like he missed on the first day, it's going to be a tough day for the offense. So it just has to be everyone on the same page. And when you're week one into practice with a bunch of rookies and inexperienced players and a first time starting quarterback, this is what I expected. And that's why when I go back to Jordan Love, and I know everyone wants to harp on the 50% completion percentage and those sort of things, one interception, one legitimate like poor throw that should have been an interception, a lot of good decision-making, good control of the offense, 
touchdown to check down, trying to see when he can find plays down the field. And when he can't, he knows where to go with the football. He knows where his checkdowns are. He knows how to get through his progressions. He knows when to scramble. He knows how to keep his eyes downfield. He knows how to keep the play alive. He's made some extremely wow throws. And outside of the first day where he missed those four passes, I've overall been like excited about the accuracy that I've seen by him. Is it perfect yet? No. And if this is the same Jordan Love that we see at the end of training camp, I think that's different. And I think I, at that point, I would be a little bit more of like, let's let's be a little bit more cautious of what this is going to look like. But what I expected out of the first week of training camp when defenses are ahead and you have so much inexperience and a first time starting quarterback, this is by far ahead of what I expected it to be at this point. So not really disagreeing with Rob and the assessment that if this offense looks the way like this way through the entirety of the season and struggles to complete 50% of its passes, probably going to be a long year, right? I don't disagree with that. I just probably don't put quite as much stock into where this season is. And it's not like Rob is saying that that is the case, right? He didn't say Jordan has struggled and it's, it's made you question if this could be a really, really long year. And because of what I've seen so far, I know that this is going to be a really, really long, like, that's not what he said. He just said, if this is what we see all year, it's going to be a really, really long year. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. 50% completion percentage and, you know, not getting some of those explosives completed because whether it's due to drops or some inaccuracies from time to time, yeah, that's not going to get the job done. But with where I'm at with Jordan and how I've like seen him quarterback this offense so far, I still remain rather excited at this point. Do I want to see more of those Saturday performances where he tore it up? Yes. Do I think that there's going to be some of those days where he's just having some inaccuracies and incompletions? Probably. But so far, so good. And I am more bullish on where Jordan is, as I've been saying all along. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Now, there's four things here for Jordan, right? There's four potential outcomes. Or I guess maybe you could pose it as questions, however you want to look at it. 
The question is ultimately going to come become, are you winning because of Jordan Love? Are you winning with Jordan Love? Are you losing with Jordan Love? Or are you losing because of Jordan Love? And those are four very different outcomes, right? For 30 years, basically, for the vast majority of the time, Green Bay won because of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. There are times they won with them, but most of the time they won because of them. They have been a successful franchise for 30 seasons in large part because of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Can this be a team that wins because of Jordan Love? So far, I have not seen that, okay? Are you winning with Jordan Love? So far, they've won one of the competitive periods, which was today's practice and made the defense do some up-downs. And even in that, they lost the two-minute drill portion of that with the ones and with Jordan Love. They've had one really good practice, as Matt or as uh, Rob pointed out, on that Saturday practice. So I'm not sure that they're winning yet with Jordan Love. Are they losing with Jordan Love? Maybe that's closer to being the case. I certainly and would vehemently say they, at this point, are not losing because of Jordan Love. So they're not winning because of Jordan Love. They're not losing because of Jordan Love. Right now, it's somewhere in that middle. And we'll, it's going to take time to figure out. And certainly when we get into the season, it's like, all right, are they winning with Jordan Love? Or are they losing with Jordan Love? Or does it become one of the other ones? That's what's going to be the big question through the course of the season. And if it starts becoming that they're winning because of Jordan Love, that is a franchise-altering moment. If it's one of those middle ones where Jordan's playing fine, but the really the result of the game is more of like the pieces around him, that's like the 49ers, right? The 49ers probably not going to win because of Brock Purdy, but they certainly can win with Brock Purdy and all of those incredible pieces around him. So they could easily get to a point this season where they realize, hey, this team is losing some games, but it's not because of Jordan. If we had the right pieces around Jordan and a more veteran team, we could win with Jordan similarly to what the, the 49ers do. Or maybe he takes that step and Green Bay can win because of Jordan. All this is going to take time. If it starts getting towards the opposite end of the spectrum and they end up losing because of Jordan Love, then that's when you get into this could be a very long season and you're going to have to you know probably start looking for a new quarterback sooner rather than later. Right now, I think this team is winning or losing with Jordan Love, not because of him. And I think it's going to be largely dependent on the pieces around him, supporting him and Jordan elevating his game through the course of the year so that he doesn't have those moments of inaccuracy like we saw on the first day. So that is where I am at with Jordan Love right now. Don't vehemently disagree with Rob in, in any real major way, but just I, I'm kind of with Matt LaFleur a little bit more where I think this is the offense as a whole and not Jordan Love. And it's hard because, and the last thing here, it's hard because we are used to as Packer fans and people who cover the Packers of being you win or lose in large part because of the way that Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre played. If they played great, you're going to win more often than not. If they played poorly, you were going to lose more often than not, right? That's the way that the team was set up. It was set up based around the quarterback. Now it's a little bit different. I don't think that this team is set up to win or lose because of Jordan Love, and it's going to be partly on what the offense does around him, and there's a lot of youth and inexperience there. So it's going to be a little bit of a change in direction for a lot of people, and I think that's where I'm at with it right now is it's just a little bit different, and we need to go into the season and see what Jordan's capable of 
But right now, I remain positive with what I've seen from Jordan so far. All right, on to practice. I did my full or my quick hits uh, recap. So if you want to go through the two-minute drills and some of that stuff in a little bit more detail, go back and listen to that. I'm going to hit through some of this a little bit more quick hits version today. New injury, Josiah DeGuara out with a calf injury. Returning from injury was Dontavian Wicks from the concussion. That was great to see. Still out and injured, Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, Grant Dubose, and Jake Hansen. David Bakhtiari out as well, seemingly that this would be a rest day for him. And then uh, Aaron Mosby, still not in attendance. They officially claimed him on waivers later in the day, so he was not at practice yet either. Love had another 50-ish percent completion day, 8 of 16 passes. Once again, as I mentioned earlier, his best throw of the day was a drop by what I would consider a tough contested drop by Christian Watson in the two-minute drill on a deep post that was beautifully, beautifully thrown. And that's been kind of the issue so far. And that's where Matt LaFleur talks about it's not just Jordan Love, it's going to take everyone. That's a great example of that. One of those incompletions on the 8 of 16 was a spike in the two-minute drill. Yet a gorgeous throw to Jaden Reed over the middle of the field. And overall, I thought this was another consistent day for Jordan Love, meaning like this, these are the type of days that we've seen where he's had a couple really impressive throws. And one of them was dropped again, in my opinion. He had some, you know, plays where he kind of got rid of the ball. I think one ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. He had the spike play. He had some check downs that got him some easy completions. But overall, kind of a up and you know, I, I would say up and down, but again, he didn't make any egregious throws. I thought Quay Walker made a great diving pass break up in the two-minute drill as well. And sometimes the defense able to get their hands on a ball or two and, and knock some things down and make your life difficult. That's where things have kind of been for this offense so far. And I'll say it one more time, tip your cap to the defense a little bit too. So was it a wow day from Jordan? No. Was it a bad day? Certainly not. This is kind of the Jordan Love experience that we've had so far. And that maybe goes back a little bit to what Rob was saying, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very good with where Jordan is at at this point. And we just need to see some consistent improvement as time goes on, but there's a lot of time for that left and in no way, shape or form am I in panic mode or thinking that Jordan's struggling so far through training camp. Razul Douglas. So a lot of talk about him throughout the day in large part because I, in all my time watching the Packers in practice, training camp, mini camp, OTAs, all of it, etc., I have never seen a player be this outgoing and, and just trash talking in the middle of practice. He was going off. And I mean, he was going off. He was taunting the offense, telling them that they sucked, like in, in a lot of different vulgar words mixed in with that as well. Like he was getting after the offense. Now, I was kind of waiting to see if maybe the coaches were going to say like, hey, don't no, I didn't see any of that. And you could tell, like, listen, the defense up until this point had won every single day. And Razul was letting the offense hear about it while the practice was going on in those two-minute drills. And honestly, I think Razul was trying to fire up the offense and say, hey, it is time for you to show up. We've been kicking your butt you need, like, we need you to be awesome this season. Let's start this right now. And after practice, he was, you know, getting together with all of his guys and all the hugs and everything. So I do believe that there was a, some, you know, modicum of love out of this from a teammate, but man, he was getting after the offense. You can tell at least when it was happening, the offense wasn't taking too kindly to it, but it was a testament to this team and this brotherhood that there were no fights that broke out on a 95 degree day. At least it felt even warmer than that, where like it was a very intense practice with some extremely competitive periods. 
no shots fired, no punches thrown, no anything like that. And I thought this was a, a positive. And I love the, the the leadership and the intensity from Azul Douglas. Now, if that's a card that he played every single day at practice, eh, maybe not a fan. But when they had won every day up until that point, hey, offense, time to put up or shut up. And I think the offense understood that to some extent as well. That being said, the offense did win the overall competitive periods for the day for the first time. And it was the defense that ultimately had to do the up-downs at the end of the day. All right, one-on-ones, I talked about these in pretty great detail on the uh, uh, on the initial uh, podcast, but Jaden Reed, one of my favorite routes of the day. And again, these are very advantageous for the offense, but Jaden Reed going down the field, Ennis Gaines, he beats him a little bit off the line of scrimmage, throws his hand up and looks back at the quarterback to signal that he's got to step deep and to start getting the, you know, getting ready to throw it to him deep. Just as he throws his hand up and looks back and Ennis Gaines starts transitioning to sprint back on defense to make sure that he's got it covered, Jaden Reed cuts that route off on a dime. Quarterback hits him in rhythm. Ennis Gaines is still turned around. Easy separation. Awesome, awesome play by Jaden Reed as a rookie. Really impressive stuff and nuance there. Dontavian Wicks, a little bit of a stutter step at the line of scrimmage and then makes a hard jab step outside, gets Keandre Thomas to go for it, and then crosses him over and just leaves him in the dust, broken ankles, five yards of separation, and an easy completion on the slant. Beautiful, beautiful stuff from Dontavian Wicks. Luke Musgrave had a deep ball uh, that they were able to complete. I don't recall exactly who was on coverage on the play, but uh, Luke Musgrave with a really big play downfield and one-on-ones. And then Razul Douglas had an awesome read on Romeo uh, Dobbs. And like Dobbs had a great move. I got juked out. I'm like, so he went outside and then had an aggressive cut back inside. And I'm like, oh man, this is going to be an easy completion on the inside. And then Dobbs cut it back outside and Douglas was just all over it. I don't know how he knew it was coming back outside, but he did and made an awesome play on the ball. And that's what we've seen a lot of from Razul Douglas so far. Meanwhile, I was watching the receivers. Uh, Wes Hod and uh, Bill Huber were watching the offensive line, defensive line. Apparently, Devontae Wyatt had another really impressive day. And Sean Ryan, once again, undefeated against Colby Wooden on the day. So Sean Ryan putting together some really nice reps in the one-on-one drills. Meanwhile, Anders Carlson, four of six on the day, missed his first one, which is a short field goal, but he did crush, and I mean crushed, a 54-yarder at the end that I think would have been good from like 68, maybe even 70. Like he hit it from 54 and it hit, it was on the top of the net like right down the middle. And the crazy thing is, is there was like a high snap on the play. So high snap, you know, Holder gets it down at the last second and he just crushes that thing. The leg, not in question. He has got power for days. The accuracy, very much in question. 66.6% on the day with four of six. He is now 16 of 27 in camp, below 60%. That's not good enough a little bit, uh, you know, enough to kind of keep you up at night uh, thinking about what that could mean. This is a young team. We talked about the offensive struggles. If they get in the position to score points, they can't be having short field goals or any field goals missed for that matter. Not at a, you know, 40% clip of, of field goals being missed, right? So Anders needs to be a lot better. The leg is there. The accuracy has not been. The entire, you know, process from snap to hold to kick needs to be perfect and they need to get that down. But that has been a very big issue so far. All right. Plays of the day, Emmanuel Wilson. So at the end of the practice, they did a live tackle period. So tackling was good to go. You could do 
full-on tackling. It was awesome. They did with just the younger guys, but Emmanuel Wilson kicked things off with a rumbling, stumbling, bumbling, like 30-yard, I don't know, maybe 25, 30-yard run where he broke multiple, and I mean multiple tackles. This had a little Marshawn Lynch playoff game where he's just breaking through everyone sort of feel to it. That was a really impressive play. He is a big back. He's got great vision. I've been impressed by him. I would be surprised if he's not at least a practice squad guy. Fun little player. I want to see more of him. I'm excited to see him in preseason, but that was an awesome run by Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Wilson. Excuse me, Tyler Goodson, had a 39-yard run, fittingly for number 39, in uh, that tackle period as well, where he went left side and he just got daylight and he was gone. And then the other, the third big play, Tyler Goodson in the two-minute drill for the number twos, took a little pass to the outside, turned around, got upfield, used that awesome speed that he has. I think he would have had a chance to score in live play. They marked him down at the eight, but still, Big time explosive play. That's been something that's been lacking for the offense. Tyler Goodson comes up with two big explosive plays on the day. So kudos to him. And a lot of people have been asking me, Andy, like you haven't been talking about the running backs much. Where have they been? Have they not been good? Until you get into tackle periods, it's very tough for the running backs to have good days. Like you they they can come up and show like you just you can't be yourself when there's no live tackling. So finally we got some live tackling. Emmanuel Wilson, Tyler Goodson, both of those guys come to life and have big time runs uh in that live tackle period. My players of the day, Carl Brooks, he had at least three times where he was shooting into the backfield. I think one of the times at least would have been a sack, another pressure that could have been a sack, another play knifing into the backfield on a run play. Like he looked really, really good on the day. To be fair, a lot of it's against second and third team guys, but I don't care. You can only go against the person that's across from you. Carl Brooks, really nice job. He's had a very, very nice camp so far. Razul Douglas, I mentioned earlier, the intensity, the passion, but he's been really, really good in coverage as well. It's not easy being opposite Jair Alexander. He had a really nice day in coverage and continues to be good throughout the course of training camp. And then Tyler Goodson, we mentioned the two really big plays. He also had a crosser over the middle. Just a really nice day from Goodson as he tries to make it as the number three running back. All right, really quick hits, miscellaneous stuff that happened through the day. Taylor, two, uh, two plays for Tyler Davis. He had an awesome block on the outside. Um, read option play to Jordan Love. And Love gets outside, picks up really nice yardage, all in large part due to Tyler Davis's block. I think it was Kingsley Nigbare. And just a beautiful, beautiful block by Tyler Davis. Then the next play, uh, Kingsley Nigbare comes on touchdown, a rollout. And it looked like Matt LaFleur was not too happy with Tyler Davis after the play. Oh, and I should mention, Tyler Davis shouted shouted out by Matt LaFleur the play previous, then gets kind of yelled at the next play. So a tale of two plays, but Matt Schneiderman also points out in The Athletic that there were two other really impressive blocks by Tyler Davis, one on a end around Romeo Dobbs, one on a run by Aaron Jones. If you don't have Tyler Davis on your 53-man roster prediction right now, you are wrong and put him on there. A, DeGuara is hurt, but even if he wasn't, this was the leading special teams player for the Packers a season ago and is by far and away their best blocking tight end right now. Tyler Davis is going to make this team. He's going to have a role on offense, and he's probably going to be a huge part of their special teams again. So make sure he is on all of your 53-man roster predictions. And by the way, he looks better too, so that's a good thing. Brenton Cox had a really nice couple plays on the day, um, one in run defense and then a pressure as well. Tucker Craft had a great contested catch at the goal line on a two-minute drill that was ended up stopped at the one, but really, really nice catch and set up the the you know the following touchdown to Malik Heath. 
Number two offense won the two-minute drill. Number one offense lost their two-minute drill. The number one offense won the two four-minute drills. The number two offense lost their four-minute drill, but overall the offense won for the day. Uh, Justin Hollins was in the number one edge spot ahead of Lucas Van Ness. Darnell Savage and Jonathan Owens started at safety, but they rotated those guys quickly, including Savage. This seems to be a four-way race for two safety spots, and that four-way race between Darnell Savage, Jonathan Owens, Tavarius Moore, and Rudy Ford. Kadeem Telfort, rough day. He had two false starts. Can't happen for an undrafted free agent rookie. Got to get that cleaned up. Per Matt LaFleur in the pre-practice press conference, easy to say, uh, TJ Slayton and Jonathan Ford have upped their games. That was Matt LaFleur's quote. So they have upped their games. So nice shout out for Jonathan Ford there. Quay Walker, I mentioned earlier, really nice extended pass breakup in the two-minute drill. Tariq Carpenter dropped what would have been an interception. Can't recall who the quarterback was. I know it wasn't Jordan Love. It was one of the backups, but really a key opportunity for Tariq to pick it off. Unfortunately, hits him in the chest and he drops it. And then Eric Wilson had a very nice run stuff behind the line of scrimmage on Lou Nichols. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you as always for joining me. We'll have another a great episode lined up for you tomorrow, so make sure not to miss it. I'll see you guys then, but until next time, and as always, go Paco. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.